Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's good to hear that theme again. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of our new cricket series, The State of Play. This is episode number five. It feels like it's been weeks since we recorded a show. The last one we did was when uh, we had Adam Hollyoaks join us. And, uh, but we're back to the, the OG trio this evening. Uh, the show is available in video format, youtube.com slash Nation, And you can get the audio version at uh, all the usual podcasting radio platforms. The links to everything will be in the description. It'll also go up on Facebook at a later date with clips on social media. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at State of Play underscore, I think. I might have got that wrong. Uh, Ace Podcast Nation, of course, home to many shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts, and more on a variety of subjects from MMA, football, cricket, mental health, and more. Speaking of those expert analysts and top guests, first we have West Indian batsman, still in the Caribbean at the moment for the CPL, Mr. Kieran Powell. How are you, my friend? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good, mate. Feel, like I say, it feels like we haven't done one for like months, but I think it was actually two, like two weeks or three weeks ago. So it's not as long. But there's been a lot of cricket since. Globally, and, uh, of course. Joining us, we have former Glamorgan bowler, Mister Nine Norman. How goes it, my friend? Good, thanks. What are you? Right then, lots because it's been a few weeks. We have got loads to speak about. So. Uh, get straight into it uh so first of all i think we'll start with the the cpl kieran what's the experience been like out there because i assume it's been a bit of a weird one it's a bit unique um the whole biosecure bubble situation um 
when we got to Trinidad, we weren't allowed to enter the airport. So we literally got off the plane and straight onto um, buses. And they took our bags and sanitized them directly on the ground as we got off the plane. And then again, before we got into the hotel, um, once we entered the hotel, they sort of had everything prearranged um, in terms of the routes that you can walk and stuff to get your check-in information, not normal check-in process with front desk or anything. You just go to a station, collect your keys for your rooms, and um, we had to quarantine in our room for 14 days. So the first seven days, we weren't allowed to leave the room at all, which was it was quite difficult. Um, it was getting, getting a bit crazy at the end there. Um, so literally, they just dropped off meals at your door at, at set times. Um, they'd put they'd put a menu on your tray so you'd tick off what you'd want for the following day as well. So um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and then after the first seven days, you're allowed to start moving about the hotel in um, groups of four per team, um, and you're allocated certain spots. So like, some days you were given access to the gym. Um, some days you're given access to the pool. Some days you're given access to the tennis court to do a bit of um, like throwdowns and that sort of stuff. Um, again, I guess probably not what you want going into a major franchise tournament. But I guess in terms of health and safety, it's 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 a small price to pay for. I guess the bigger picture, which is your life. Um, but after that, everything I guess sort of went okay. Um, as as well as it could go, I guess given the circumstances, um, obviously not allowed to leave the hotel at any point in time unless it's going to practice or to the matches for health and safety reasons because there's been um, COVID spikes within Trinidad and Tobago, but they've they've kept the hotel basically isolated to the players and and CPL officials. Um, so I mean. It's it's as good as it can be, but hopefully things go back to normal soon. Not only in the cricketing world, but the world in general, because um, I do see this having a toll on on players in future if if it continues like this, and on the game as well. Yeah, I think long term, um, as you mentioned just off air there before we started, long term, if if these bio bubbles become a long term thing. I do think that you're going to see more and more players sticking to one form of the game rather than maybe doing a lot just because of the amount of time that you're away from your families and, and, and you've got to isolate and these things. But also then, it's the when you are isolating, it it's going to wear thin. And I can almost hear people saying, oh, yeah, there's worse things than having to stay in a hotel for seven days and have your meals delivered to you, blah, blah, blah. But... That wears thin real quick, especially, you know, you're lacking kind of interaction, human interaction with people. You're, you're missing your family, whether it's wife or kids or, you know, whatever it may be. Your pets could be anything. It takes its toll and it can get uh, very old very quickly. Um, so when you were able to, like, walk around the hotel and that, was it you weren't even allowed to just kind of go down to the pool? In you know, if you felt like it, you have to go at no. certain de- certain days, certain time. 
So the the second week when we allowed to move about a bit more, they'd, they'd send out like um, a roster. The manager of each team would send out a roster of um, what times were allowed to move about. So it wouldn't even be the entire team. It'd be like groups of four within that team. Yeah. So um, four persons would have, let's say, 10 to 11. Um, you'd have to social distance. Um, so... Let's say on a Monday, we'd have 10 to 11, four players from the Patriots going to the pool. Um, you won't be able to come within six feet, obviously, of, of the next person or the other three people that are allowed out. Um, and then you'd have to get back into your room by 11. So the process could continue for other players that yeah. have to get out. What happens if you bump into like someone from like a group from the, another team? Are you allowed to talk to them from social distance or have you got to kind of avoid each other? Well, that the way they planned it, that that wasn't gonna happen because, oh, as I said, if, if, yeah, if, yeah. So if one if one team was allocated to go to the gym, and next team would be allocated to go to the tennis court, and the next team to the pool, so it'd be sending people in different directions at all points in time, and using different entrance and exit routes as well, so that you won't cross paths with with anyone to mitigate any chances of anything happening i guess yeah no it does sound brutal mate doesn't it and um we're going to talk about josh butler on the pitch and and everything in a bit but obviously the second that england had the australian series tied up he requested to go home because he's been in that bio bubble for for it must feel like half a year uh to him but he's been in there a good couple of months can you imagine that getting old quick yeah, if you've got a young family as well, I think he's got a young baby. You know, spending time, he's only so much PlayStation and FIFA and all these type of things. Zoom one man can stuff, exactly, yeah. you know, it just gets repetitive. Um, so yeah, I, I don't blame him. Like you said, the Australia 2020 series is one. Doesn't need to play the last game. Can I know? Yeah, straight back to see the family. And I think he's got to jet off again in, well, what's it now? Uh, 24th of September to go to the IPL. Yeah, so. and, uh, you know, I'm glad that they there seems to have been no kind of question about it. They seem to have said, yeah, you know, go, which is good because mm. I'd like to think that you know they they realise how difficult it's been for the players. Um, you know, and we saw like we we discussed previously with uh, Joffre Archer uh, early on in the bubble broke the bubble. We've seen two footballers from the England squad, even though it was their the first time they'd ever been called up for their country, they found it so difficult that they ended off ended up going to see some Icelandic girls in a, a different hotel and it's you know it is difficult like I'm not uh, disputing that I think in those two footballers point of view I think it's a massive error in judgment you know they, they've got to suck it up and play PlayStation or they've got to do something especially yeah. when it's your your first first trip with your country at a young age you can't be doing what they did um Okay, so uh, on the pitch key, however, how, how's the CPL been? Have you, anyone stood out for you and what's your experience been? Um, I don't think necessarily I expected anything different. Um, obviously, coming out of lockdown, bowlers are going to adjust quicker than, than batters will because batters need time, practice, preparation etc. Um, so I think the tournament has been on par with what I expected. You expected the Trinidad team playing at home 
um, not having to quarantine as long as the other teams to perform the way that they did, especially the experience that they did. So I'd say just the Trinidad team on a whole that's that stood out. Is there um, what was it like playing with no fans? Like that's got to be a unique experience. Um, it's an interesting situation that because again you find guys that play four-day cricket domestically are test match cricket you know you generally don't get many fans in anyway these days you know cricket's gone online so i think it would have been probably a bit more difficult for just genuine t20 alone players um that are used to that type of that type of crowd environment um it is unique um having to go and fetch a ball from the 16th row when someone hits a big <laughs> six. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's, it's it just different challenges. But, I mean, ultimately, we're competitors and it could be 100,000 or one person in the stand. You're playing for yeah, your exactly. pride and, you know, you have to, you have you to win. put on a good show and try and win at the end of the day. Yeah, that's it. I think and then, nah, at the end of the day... Um, I'd say 99.9% of people who've ever played cricket, you know, they've played cricket throughout the years growing up with no fans. So I think in some ways it's slightly different to other sports whereby a lot of the time you can have crowds from the sort of academy teams up, whereas cricketers are used to playing, you know, used to being able to hear, uh, be able to communicate with the other players and stuff like that. So I don't think that is too much of an issue. The, um, the the getting the ball from the stands, I think, is quite unique. I I laughed watching some of the Australian players get the ball from uh, Butler. Okay, and, back, uh, practically. <laughs> they did not like it one bit. They were no. when, uh, who was it? I forget. Oh, his name will come to me in a minute. Uh, Kane. Kane Richardson. Kane Richardson had to go and get one of uh, Josh Butler's sixes the other day, and it was like seven or eight rows up, and he did not look pleased. Well, but, think of it. And, Andrew Russell hit a few balls out of the stadium um, a few days ago. So, thankfully, when that happens, you don't have to retrieve it. They just get new balls out. The game yeah. would be on pause forever the way he hits it. <laughs> so, um, so what's next for you, Key, in terms of cricket? Uh, heading back home, I'm not sure because um, the domestic season in the Caribbean has, I guess, been postponed or put on pause until later date. So that normally starts in November, but I don't think there's going to be any form of cricket in the Caribbean before January, February, from what I'm understanding. Um, But the West Indies have a tour of New Zealand in November, and they're taking something like 43 players, from what I've heard. Because you're not allowed net bowlers and they're taking an A team and a T20 team and extended squads. and So yeah. we'll see. But, I mean, it's it's going to be expensive traveling um, for international teams now with such extended squads. I mean, you're going to have just... You have to take your own net bowlers for one. Um, mm. But you have to take extra players on a whole because of the situation. You can't just fly guys out to countries now anyway if someone gets yeah. injured. So you need um, guys to be in the country who have quarantined uh, and are uh, up to speed and ready to play if anything happens. Yeah, it's um, it, it's almost like the, the not knowing uh, where 
what's going to happen and where things are going to go over the next year. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? It's, it's kind of one of those things which is out of everyone's hands, even the people who are making the plans for the tournaments, the games, the, the fixtures, the tours. It's, it's kind of even out of their hands to a certain extent because you just don't know if there's going to be like another lockdown, if it's going to spike again, if there's going to be more restrictions, if the restrictions and the regulations are going to be tightened, loosened. It's very difficult at the moment. Um, Naya, just quickly, have you played any cricket recently yourself? Yeah, mate, I've been playing every Saturday um, in the Premier League down here, so that's gone pretty well, to be fair. Wickets? Um, I haven't really bowled much this uh, season, to be honest, but I've uh, got a few runs, got 98 and a couple of other 50s, so yeah, it's been all right. Not too bad. My, uh, oh, good man. But good it's been man. it's been different again, like Kieran said, it's been odd, you know, like things when a four gets hit, normally a spectator throws it back on, they can't now, they've got to leave it, and if they do, they get ejected from the ground, and you've got to sanitise the ball and all sorts. Yeah, I was going to ask you that, actually, what sort of... Um kind of restrictions or guidelines have you got in place now even like at that level so there's no changing rooms um regrettably there's no teas which is always a killer blow especially oh, for me enjoy my tea yeah um every six overs you've got to sanitize your hands the whole team um yeah if, like i say the ball goes like to where spectators are watching they can't throw it back um so yeah it's just different really but it's just been quite nice to play some cricket, to be honest. Yeah, I bet. I bet. It's uh, fresh air, sunshine, and you get to play cricket. I suppose, though, does, does that mean that like, the, the bars are not open either afterwards? Well, at my club at Mumbles, is different because they fall under the hospitality sector because they get so many people there. It's actually a, it's actually a, like a pub, as it were, a venue, yeah. so they're okay. But a lot of the other grounds... Yeah, you know, the, the people that come and watch on a Saturday to have a beer and sit in the sun, they can't do it anymore. So you lose the, the kind of social aspect to it then, don't you, having a beer after the game yeah. and, and all these things. Um, yeah, we said that earlier, Craig is a social sport yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so, okay, just before we kind of move on to, to cricket generally and uh, some more light, kind of light-hearted discussions, unfortunately, we uh, we've got to talk about something which is not light-hearted uh, and I find it frustrating and very disappointing that we have to talk about it in 2020. I feel like I've talked about it a ridiculous amount in the last year on various shows and football and stuff because it's still happening. Uh, we've had Azim Rafiq has uh, come out and discussed uh, being uh, what did, institutional racism at Yorkshire when he was there uh, three years ago. Um, specifically, I think he named or he, he pointed to the coach and the captain. Uh, and it's, he's since been branded difficult to deal with by the uh, the chairman of the ECB Premier League. And I think uh, there's some sort of legal action from the Yorkshire side. Looks like it's going to drag on a bit. But it's very disappointing to hear that even... It's even... I find it so shocking that racism is still a thing in professional sport, but not from like fans. It's from within counties and clubs. Um, now, what did you make of this when you saw it, and what's your take on it? Uh, well, I played with and against Azim for about since I was about 
13 up and right, right through till second team professional stuff. Um, and obviously he was, I think, England under-17 captain. He, he had a good career at Yorkshire. Um, I know he had some tragic news with the birth of a stillborn. Um, and he sort of, he got released a couple of years ago and it was a bit of a shock to people because he was in the team all the time. And obviously this came out, I think, last week. Um, I mean, I think one of the things he actually said was he, he played under an openly racist captain. I mean, that baffles me. I don't know how... How you, a a you get away with that from the the, the club, uh, and b how players in that dressing room don't stand up and say, "Hold on, this is ridiculous. You can't be you doing you can't be doing this." It's twenty twenty one. We don't live in eighteen hundreds and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, of course. this needs to be stamped out. Um, but it went on for years, apparently, to the point where he said that he, he didn't want to go to games. He didn't want to. Go to training. He didn't. He doesn't even want to go to Leeds anymore. He, he, he associates Leeds as a city with dark days, which is is terrible. It's sad. Really, man. I, I, like Leeds as a city, mate, is really diverse. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's not. I don't know. I find it. I find it shocking, mate. I really do. Um, I got to say, I'm not impressed with the the tact that Yorkshire have kind of taken in terms of. Yeah taking him to court for kind of a libel sort of thing. Look, there it's not difficult to work out who the the coach or the captain were at the time, but they haven't been named as it's an ongoing thing. I'm not gonna kind of name them here, but it's not you know, it's it's not difficult to work it out at the end of the day. No. Um Key, what do you make of it mate? Um were you kind of surprised when you read this? Uh not really, because guys, guys always say things that they think are funny, or they deem as funny, I guess. Um, if you put the shoe on the other foot, would they see it as funny? I'm not necessarily sure, but um, I think Dan Christian as well came out and said something similar in Australian cricket. But the thing that I don't understand is why why people say that they need to be educated on yeah on dealing never, with I've never understood on, that mate uh, why do you need to be educated on dealing with someone of a different race or color like it's it's just it's still a person it's still mm. I don't yeah. understand so yeah. I mean people people find excuses or they try and validate themselves in the best way that they can when when things like this pop up but it it, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all yeah, um, so just expanding on, Rafiq did an interview with uh, BBC Sport. Uh, he said in the interview that teammates would stereotype him, say he stinks, use racially offensive terms relating to his Pakistani heritage. Uh, the former under-19 captain also indicated that he had reported in, reported a specific individual to the director of cricket, Martin Moxon, and coach Andrew Gale in 2017, and he claimed he departed the meeting with Moxon in tears the following summer. Uh, on his first day back to work after his son was born stillborn in May 2018, the first thing they did was give him a dressing down. Um, it doesn't say what the dressing down was about, so I don't know. Uh, oh, oh, it does say. Uh, it says he couldn't believe it. He said that but they basically told him he had a bad attitude, that the club had done uh, a lot of work for him. They they knew about his personal situation, or they told him that they knew about the personal situation, um, but his attitude wasn't right. 
Um, like that in itself, to me, is absolutely shocking that you would treat someone on their first day back to work after such such a tragic uh, occurrence. To I it that boggles my mind. I don't know what you feel about that night, but like, I don't know whether it's because I'm a father myself and I kind of. Hmm. I don't think even think it's that. I think it's just a human being, mate. Yes, humanity, like, isn't it? People have lost empathy. I'm telling you, I don't understand it at all. But what I think, do you make of that? I mean, I know Martin Moxon. I know his. I know his daughter. Mm. I know him as a. He's, he, that that shocked me because Martin Moxon. Every time I've dealt with him, has been nothing but a nice person. Um, and again, there's always two sides to a story. There's always yeah. two sides to a story. Um, but it doesn't paint Yorkshire Cricket Club in a great light whatsoever. Um, you know, to me, if, if again, I'm not a father, hopefully I will be one day. Um, but if, if my future child was born still, you know, imagine what place you'd be in mentally, you know, yet you might, you might be a bit hard to deal with. You might be late. Sure. You might not turn up to training. You need a bit of slack. I mean, you know, obviously you be, can't be going, and... yeah, he can't be going proper off the rails at the end of the day. He has a job to do, but there needs to be some flexibility. Support. You know, it's not a, an everyday, yeah, support, but then, Going back to what Kieran said about being educated, okay, so why aren't these people educated about what it's like to have a child who's a stillborn and what Azim Rafiq's going through? Yeah, and let's be honest, mate, these days no. people are a lot more switched on regards to mental health as well. So why, why wouldn't, mm. on his first day back, for me, if I was a boss of someone, my first thing would be about offering them support. Do you need counselling? Yeah. Is there anything we can do? Not any sort of kind of dressing down or, or uh, sort of performance review or anything even remotely like that. Now, obviously, um, just to clarify, when me and Nye there said there's two like, two sides to each uh, to every story, we're specifically referring to um, the Martin Moxon and the, and the, the kind of the day uh, Rafiq has come back. We're not referring to the... Um, the basically casual racism, which seems to have been going on in the um, in the changing room or around mm. the team, like to me, if that was if there was anything remotely untrue about his story, you'd have numerous players coming out on social media sure. saying that didn't happen, that didn't, because they would want to protect the club, they would want to protect themselves yeah. as members of that team during that period. I would like I would think anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like if I was a member yeah. of that team, and one of the players come out and made a load of untrue allegations of racism or whatever serious stuff, disgusting stuff, the first thing I would do is I'd say, "Well, that didn't happen," yeah. because I'd want to defend myself. I'd want to defend the team, and it seems to have been a pretty much deafening silence. Um, so yeah, Kieran, you mentioned Dan Christian. Uh, so he's basically, I don't know whether, is, do you think this has come around because of the Azim Rafiq stuff? So he's kind of seen that and then he's shone a light on his experiences. I don't know whether it's two separate things. They just happen to come out quite close together. Uh, but he's basically said that there's a, a an issue with casual racism within Australian cricket. Uh, it's been allowed to fester through his words where... Uh, uh, lack of adequate cultural awareness, education for players, support staff and officials over the last two decades. 
as we just said, I don't really understand the need for education. Like, to not be a bit of a tit to people is mm. general, like, common sense. But to, when you casual racism I, I don't understand it i really don't and i don't understand why people need to be educated um but it's clearly going on you know like this is two different parts of the world like you couldn't be further away in many respects in australia and england but they are quite similar cultures but there's clearly an issue there it's clearly going on i'd like to think it's not but are we just burying our head in the sand by saying it's not? Um, what do you think, Key? Well, I think what's going to happen now is because I think Darren Samuel was the first person to speak about it, actually, something with Sun Roses and his time in the IPL. And obviously, once one guy does it, then someone will feel a bit more courageous to tell their story or, or share their experience. You know, that, that sort of trickle-on effect and I think what's going to happen though is more and more pe players are going to start telling their their stories. Um, it's definitely there in cricket, you know. Um, there's no doubt in that. Um, I'd like to imagine some stories that would be happening in places like South Africa, for example, um, where we know there's definitely <laughs> high racial yeah. tensions. Um, well, it's, historically, it's, it's metal, yeah. isn't it? It's, um been brutal for years and i think that's like even when i was younger very quickly um so when i was like in first year of high school we had a boy come over to a boy and an older brother who came out they were south africa and they lived in south africa all their life and they came over and some of the stories they told us and like you're talking late 90s then so it was like quite not not at its peak but it was you know quite high um and i Whenever I've spoken to him any time over the last couple of years, he'll tell me that you know it still goes on um, a lot. There's a lot of racial tension within South Africa, depending on what part of the country you go to. But hopefully, neither the more players who speak out about casual racism, any racism within cricket, uh, the situation will improve. And if there is players, coaches, staff, whoever, who are still doing it who have got a history of doing it then maybe it's time for cricket as a as a game to say enough's enough we don't want you anymore mm. now that sounds harsh but the only way you're gonna stop it is by telling the people who have either historically been a culprit or are still culprits that it's not acceptable and if that's what you're going to do then we don't want you as part of our club, our league, our tournament, our franchise. Would you agree with that, mate? Yeah, definitely. I think if we go back to the, the person in question at Yorkshire, obviously no names have been named yet, um, but they have previous, um, you know, so why are you allowed to have, let's say, a ban for the similar sort of instance when you were a player? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what? Leopards don't change their spots, sadly, and no. he just—he's obviously carried that on into his coaching career. And whether you know, you just totally eradicate them from the game, or you—you—you you, you say right, you, you're suspended indefinitely. Um, I, I don't have the answer, but I mean, you can't just allow it to happen. And then when it's happened, and that person is no longer associated with 
that club, that franchise, that league, whatever, just go, oh, well, it, it's happened now. Well, yeah, that's too late. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think for me as well, to... when you've got, when you've, sorry to interrupt you, mate, when you've got history of it, like you mentioned, um, you lose any benefit of the doubt whereby yeah, of course like, you. a lot of the time people will say, you know, wait for the both sides to come out or wait for the, you know, wait for the story to develop before you jump to a judgment. Just because someone says something doesn't mean it's true, etc. You know, all the usual sort of stuff. But when you've got history of doing it already, I think it makes it very difficult for people to to give anyone, you know, the, give that person the benefit of the doubt. Um, would you agree with that? That you lose the chance or you lose the the benefit of the doubt when you've got previous for it. Yeah, well, it goes against you. Um, yeah, 100%. You know, mud sticks is the saying, and it, it definitely does. Um, but when you've actually been, I don't, I don't want to say convicted, because that's quite aggressive, but proven yes. past, it's like, well, what are you arguing about? Clearly, you did do this. That will be 99.9% .9 of the population's view. You, you must have done it. Um, so it's very hard to say, oh, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. Well, you've done it before. You probably did it again. Has that pub has, he, has that person made any comment publicly mm. since? This I'd be very mind. shocked if they have to. Mm. Um, because I, I suppose from knowing, true. they don't want to name names. Um, yeah. And again, what you said earlier, legally, I don't, I don't think they can. Um, yeah. Unless, unless they've got, unless they've got them. proof. Yeah. Unless they've got yeah. proof. Yeah, it's very difficult, isn't it? Um, okay. Lastly, on this. Um, Keelan, what would you like to see happen going forward with the Azim Rafiq uh, instance or the, the, the allegations and also the the Dan Christian stuff as well? Um, well, I don't know what will happen because it, it seems like it's going to be a matter of your word against my word. It's just going to get thrown out and nothing's going to happen, but what I would like to see happen is um, once once these things are reported and investigated on the spot, obviously um, there should be some sort of penalty, whether it's a ban and, and community work, going into the community and starting to work with um, people of color or, or different ethnic groupings, whatever the situation is. Um, I remember there's a, a situation with Safra's Ahmed calling, I think Adilo Filiquilo or whatever his name is, um, from South Africa, some sort of racial job as well, and getting suspended from a few international matches because of that, you know. So um, mm. there needs to be, I guess, there needs to be some sort of repercussion for these actions, you know. Um, it's, yeah, 100%. It's, it's distasteful, really. Yeah, it's distasteful mm. at best, mate. Um I gotta say, uh, cricket as a whole, and this is the last thing I'll kind of close with now. Um, cricket as a whole has got to learn from football, and by when you, when these racial behaviours, if they're proven, the the people who've perpetrated them have got to be punished severely, not given mm. kind of piss poor, pathetic bans and fines, which make absolutely no difference to them whatsoever. Because that's what football has done for years, and that's why we are still talking about it every single season. Whether it's with the countries for their fans' behaviour, or it's people like John Terry who was kind of proven to say something and they didn't do anything really. Um, 
it's it's got you've got to make a statement. So mm. the first time you have an allegation which has proven racism, you make a statement with the ban and the fine and the punishment, so that that says to everyone in the world that it's not acceptable and we won't stand by and you know accept it and go along with it. Um, just a quick update on the the England versus Australia game. Uh, Australia are 112 for five. They need 34 from five overs. So uh, it looks like they'll probably do it, I think. But uh, we'll see. Rashid's taken three wickets. Um, okay, so uh, we had uh, Bob Willis Trophy. There was uh, Gloucestershire versus Northamptonshire was abandoned after a Northampton squad member tested positive for COVID-19 mid-match. Uh, the game was called off. Um, not much you can do about that in terms of saving the game. It's got to go, haven't it? Once, once one of those yep. playing squad nights, you think? Hundred percent. Can't jeopardise people's health. No, it's, uh, it's it's got to go. And I I appreciate the lengths they're going to get the, you know, the the, the county season up and running and and some sort of league and tournament and everything for this season. But you cannot take any risks. So as soon as that player, uh, I don't think they've named the player as, as of now. But as no, soon as the player's been, you know, tested positive, you've got to. I was surprised actually. It took him a few hours to call it off. I was surprised how long it took him to call it off. I felt like it should have been almost instant. But I suppose there's protocols to follow. Do you agree with that, Key? I had to go straight away. Yeah, one hundred percent. It'd be interesting to see what happens if it happens in an international match, because obviously, um, yeah, a county match is, you know, guys, guys, I guess they're allowed to go back home or they're still mingling with the general public. Um, so I guess international matches have that bit much more protection. Um, but what I did find interesting is that so many of the PSG players tested positive for COVID after the champions league Mm. final as well. So it's going to be interesting. These bubbles are not foolproof. Uh, no. for, the, for these sporting events, nope. it never will be because people that work in the bubbles still go home at the end of the day and come back in, and then they handle your yeah. clothes, your laundry, your food, and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's it's you know I, I appreciate all these different organisations, whether it's UEFA, FIFA, the FA, uh, the ECB, the CPL. You know, people are they're doing the best they can in extraordinary circumstances. Um, and as long as yep. these organisations are doing the best they can to keep the players, the staff, everyone safe. Ultimately, if you want professional sport to keep going during this time, that's what you've got to do. Um, sad, sadly, it's the world we're in at the moment. Um, on to a... I was just having a quick look to see if there's if the Bob Willis trophy matches, if the players go into a bubble. Um, no, they don't. I can't find, no, I can't don't. find anything which says... I wondered whether they maybe go into like a, just a seven-day bubble for the game and a couple of days either side, but nope. nothing, nope. which is has surprised me, i got to say, because I thought they might do like a day or two either side at least. But there we go. Nope. Um, on to some more kind of positive uh, discussions. James Anderson became the first fast bowler to take 600 test wickets. Um, I think it was our first show, maybe our second show, I questioned whether he should be in the test side. Um, don't I look stupid? Um, but it, that's happened a couple of times over recent years, whether people have questioned, you know, is he too old? Is it time for him to go? Um, 
night as a cricket fan and an England cricket fan, tell us just how good is James Anderson and some of your kind of favourite moments or memories or whatever of uh, of the man. Well, he's the best bowler I've seen bowler. I think that's probably well statistically definitely played to take 600 wickets, not just to take those wickets, but to play 150 test matches for a fast bowler is um, yeah amazing. You know, he's well, I think he's 37. Uh, he's still bowling 85 mile an hour as well. That's the that's the amazing part. Um, and he just takes wickets for fun. I mean, Kieran will tell you what he's like to face. I only played against him once in a 40-over game white ball, and that's different. But in a test match, when he can swing it both ways at 85 mile an hour, that's why he's taken 600-odd wickets. And I think he'll take more. Oh, really? Yeah, 100%. I, um, I think what England should do, though, with him, I think we discussed this previously as well, about bringing in the, the next generation of bowlers to bowl yeah. alongside him and to be in squads alongside him, to blood them and to learn from him, um, but also manage his body. He doesn't need to play every test. He doesn't need to go, say, to a tour to India, really, I don't think. I think, ultimately, in India, for your for your, your, your pace bowlers, you, you're probably looking more to get the faster bowlers out there rather than the, the ones who are going to swing it. Um just my personal opinion, so I'd probably leave him at home. Um, and I think that's one thing England have done a bit better in recent years, is they've picked squads for certain tours, maybe instead of just picking the same squad basically every every tour. Um, Kieran, have you ever played against uh, Jimmy Anderson? A few times, yeah. Um, what was your experience I'm... of him? Smashing all around the park? Difficult with every other <laughs> batsman. That's first thing. No, obviously, um, to get to 600 test wickets, um, major achievement. I don't think it'll be done again by a fast bowler unless it's um, Stuart Broad, depending on how long he goes. But that's that's probably another year. Well, with the COVID, I think that's probably another two, two and a half years out for Stuart Broad um, because cricket isn't going to be as often as we'd like it to be in, in this current global climate. Um, yeah. Having Courtney Walsh as one of our coaches here with the Patriots, um, a fast bowler that has taken 500 test wickets, um, just just to look at how he operates, and look, you can see the wear and tear fast bowling mm. has on his body for, for that length of time. Obviously, still sprightly, still moving around well, but for me, the bigger achievement is the amount of test matches that James Anderson has managed to play. Um, yeah. 160 something. Yeah, 160 something, I think. Oh, wow. Very close to it. That's basically three international careers when <laughs> when you look at it. He could go for. Do either of you know what the record is for Sachin, Sachin Tendoka, 200 test matches. And he's so, a batter as well. Yeah. I actually played in Sachin Tendoka's 200th test match. Did you? Uh, yeah, awesome. so that was that was a crazy experience as well um, because I don't think I've played 200... In, no, definitely haven't played 200 international <laughs> matches. So that's 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 okay. absolutely I'd have, been, I'd have been trying to steal his boots or his bat or something after that game. It was actually a really good um, thing because it was Shivna and Shandipal's 150th test match as well. Oh, so wow. I got both of them to sign a shirt and... You know, it was really good. So I've got that shirt at home. 
um, put away very deep within my treasured memorabilia. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Do you know what? Shivran Shandapur is one of my favourite Test match batsmen, actually. I remember when he made his debut way back. And I remember England just couldn't get him out for tests yeah. and tests and tests. And he would just bat for days. They just couldn't get him out. And he just used to bat time. And uh, I used to just love watching him. Um, do you agree with what I said, uh, Nye, that you, I wouldn't take him to the on the Indian tour? I think if you asked him, he'd want to play every yeah, test match possible. Um, to me, I would only pick him for South Africa away, uh, New Zealand away, Australia away. Um, obviously, home tests, yep, he can play against India and all those. But for me, what, what you know, he's achieved everything he needs to. The Ashes is obviously still high on his agenda that he wants to go over there and win again. Um, so if you asked him, he'd want to go on every possible tour. Um, but I think at his age, they'll protect him. But on the flip side, as we spoke about earlier, it's a great opportunity for a young seamer to go on a tour to India and learn from someone like James Anderson. Maybe to yeah, take him as a coach, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, um, he, as soon as he retires, whenever that is, the first thing I would be doing if I was the ECB is offering him a job as a bowling coach because that's the guy you want working with those young uh, up-and-coming bowlers. And I'm sure he's doing it with the guys who are around the squad now anyway. But, um, yeah, a legend already. Um, so that takes us on nicely. Uh, I think the last time we talked, we were still in Test Match territory. So let's have a little chat about the the England one-day summer. Um Key, have you managed to see much of the the one day stuff? Well, yeah, I've there. seen, I've seen, I've seen bits and pieces. Who stood out for you uh, from any teams? Um, again, the bowling obviously did did better than the batting because of lack of match. But I think the England one day batting. I think Owen Morgan got a good hundred against Ireland, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think um, the Pakistan series, the T20 series as well, just that whole limited over stuff, um, that was good. The Australian matches, obviously England would have been prime match ready, you know, having gone through so much cricket for the entire summer and Australia coming out of um, lockdown, I guess, straight into international cricket. So it's always going to be difficult for Australia, but England in limited overs cricket, I mean, it's right up there in terms of things that you want to watch and things that you don't want to be playing against at the moment. Um, they're very good. Every, yeah, yeah. everyone knows their role. I mean, Jason Roy's not been a part of this series. He hasn't been missed. Um, Stokes. 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 Yeah. They miss. Drew Root's not even in contention for selection for T20 cricket after he was basically England's man of the series for the last T20 World Cup. Yeah. Um, mm. So, I mean, the depth in cricket, Dowd Milan is probably going to slot right back out when someone comes in after averaging 15 international T20 cricket. Um, I was going to ask you um, both this. Sorry to cut you off, Keith. Um, so, I was going to ask you, you've got the likes of Roy Stokes, who will definitely come back in. Then you've got a Joe Root. Like, who's going to make way? Um because David, David Milan has done exceptionally well. Like, he couldn't have done much more. I think Banton has been impressive, batting lower down the order when really, you know, he's an opener in T20 cricket. Um, 
who's going to make room for those guys or do you make room for them and do you or do you make them wait to get their place back yeah uh, what would you do uh they have to come back no they have to come straight back and they've been quality performers over a long period of time now but i think a name that we're also forgetting is alex hills you know for whatever reason he's yeah. been ousted for a bit too long and him, jason it's... roy were like uh outstanding as a partnership weren't they yeah so i think i think it's it's become a bit personal for owen morgan with alex hills yeah. as opposed to teaching him a lesson which is sad because england england's cricket is ultimately what's going to suffer from that you know um but i think obviously jason roy comes straight back in johnny Bairstow and jason roy have formed an amazing partnership um i think that gives you the flexibility with having Josh Butler open the batting or finishing off the game lower down, depending on how you want to set things up against the opposition that you're playing against. Um, Moin Ali is a genuine threat in T20 cricket with the bat and with the ball. Um, I mean, so many options. I, I just don't know how you fit a Joe Root into the T20 side anymore, which is really unfortunate because if you look at his international T20 numbers, they're as good as anyone else. And he actually plays, well, he? yeah, he yeah, plays an amazing role where he just allows everyone to bat around him while going at a relatively good strike rate. Still, um, I don't. I mean, spot for riches, really. Yeah, they are. I mean, before tonight, where obviously Johnny Bairstow has gone and scored a fifty, I was looking at it and I was thinking, right, do you bring in Jason? Obviously, Jason Roy comes back in. Do you drop Bairstow and have Butler keep? And then either put Banton at two or three with Jason Roy or Butler opening, and then you've got kind of Milan, Morgan, Stokes. It's it's, it's difficult to see how they're going to fit them all in. Um, it's difficult to see how they drop Milan, though. Day uh, nine. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think what you'll have is you'll have a lot of guys who might be very annoyed and very unlucky to not be playing international cricket. But it might open up the floodgates for them to go and play franchise cricket around the world that maybe they weren't able to do that once they were yeah. playing international cricket. I mean, like here instead, I'm looking at Joe Root's stats here at international T20s. He averages 38 at a strike rate of 136. I mean, like, that's quality. Incredible. Um, but he, he probably, I'd be very surprised if he plays again. Yeah, I can't see him playing in the foreseeable future. Like what I always like about his T20 players, um, you'll have like, like the likes of Root and Butler and Stokes or whoever be smashing it all around. And and Root kind of plays proper cricket shots, but scores at the very least the run a ball all the time. He'll always be rotating the strike, and he just work manoeuvres the ball around. And I think that complements the you know the likes of the names I just mentioned, but mm. like. And then when you look at the bowling, like you've got like guys like Dave, David Willey, not even in the, anywhere near the squad because they've got so much depth. Um, who has stood out for you uh, now in the, over England's or the one-day summer, shall we say? Josh Butler being brilliant with the bat. Um, Adil Rashid, fantastic one-day spin bowler. Uh, I think they're those cricket. two. No, no, no. Uh, I know they tried to bring him back a few years ago. Not that it went badly or anything, but I think 
He knows his role. He'll play every one-day game, every T20 game for England. Um, and like we said before on different shows, there's nothing wrong with specialising in a, in a specific category. Uh, and I think he's probably... I'd love to... I don't know, but I reckon he's probably the leading spinner in one-day cricket in the world. I'd, I'd put a bit of money on that. I, I don't know. But I would say he would be. Yeah, I think maybe really maybe the Yadav might be ahead of him actually from India. Yeah. It um, it was interesting that England brought Butler over to the T twenties for the Australian games, um, and I think he was the only one, wasn't he? Or Archer as well came over, didn't he? Yeah. Um, from the Test Test bubble, if you like. Um, look, Josh Butler, he had a rocky start to the Test series. Um, and then he finished with the bat really, really well. And then on the back of his 150-odd, he made that unbelievable catch down the leg side. But his keeping was caused, called into question again. As um, as a former wicketkeeper myself, I know, and I know very, very much how uh, how difficult it is to, to really, you know, to concentrate every ball. And I was playing, what, 50 over cricket, 20 over cricket, not five days of cricket. Um, now, do you think his keeping is that much of a or as much of a worry as people have made it out to, or do you just think he had a rocky, rocky couple of games beyond the stumps, and ultimately he showed uh, what he can do? Yeah, you can't not play him. I think everyone has a bad couple of games now and again. You drop catches, people drop catches all the time. It might look slightly worse if you're a keeper, but that happens. I mean, I think Ben Folks is a better wicket keeper. But I think as an all-round package, it's pretty hard to not pick Josh Butler at the moment, yeah. especially. Like I've said numerous times on this show and, uh, and social media, like for me, Josh Butler is to England what Adam Gilchrist was for Australia. In that he can, when he yeah. comes out to bat, no matter the situation, he can change the game in an hour. Uh, and he can take the game away from the opposition. And if you ask any Australian cricket fan, cricket player, all the top teams around the world, they say they would tell you they'd rather play England without Joss Butler than with. And for me, that tells you everything yep. uh, you need to know. You know, if could you bring in Ben Fox and play Butler as a batsman? I think. But where? Who would you drop? Well, this is Who would it. you drop? Stokes comes back in. Well, you know, again, as Kieran said, England have got an abundance of talent at the moment in all forms. That if England aren't number one in all forms of the game in two years' time, I would be. I I think England would classify that as a disappointment, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. When you look at the young talent coming through as well, people like Banton showed a glimpse of what he, how good he he is, um, and look, Banton's been doing it on the domestic T20 scene for the last couple of years but um, obviously he showed it when uh, the other day uh, in the game that was it called off I think I can't remember um, but he scored like 70 odd didn't he um, yeah, I think it would be a disappointment because when you combine the already established world class stars they've got like your, your root, your Stokes etc then you've got guys like Burns and uh, Sibley who are doing very very well then you've got younger guys like Zach Crawley coming into the test side and doing well. Josh Butler's in form. And then you've got all the guys who are not getting in. Then you go same with the one-dayers. So I agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay. 
uh, I got to mention, uh, Keeg, I don't know if you saw it. Did any, either one of you see Josh Butler's review for an LBW? He, no. he really pushed for it. And um, it was just come off the middle. Of, it was just forward defensive. Uh, Adil Rashid bowled forward defensive, middle of the bat. And uh, no one really appealed. Butler appealed like really loudly and then people joined in. And he was all for the uh, all for the review, and uh, yes, let's just say it wasn't a good review. They they were all kind of laughing. Have you seen a worse review than that, Key? Uh, I've seen some bad ones. I didn't see this one, but I've I've seen some some hollers. Um, you know, when when you're on the field and and you need a wicket, you can convince yourself of anything at that point in time. So um, I can understand. Have you have you seen worse reviews than that? Uh, now I'm going to bring it up now. So uh, here, have a look. There were some bad ones by Jason Holder at the end of an innings when England were whacking it at Old Trafford, but it was just to waste time, I think. Yeah. Okay. Right. So Keir, I'm going to show you this now. I'm gonna I have to show you quick so it doesn't get copyrighted. Um, okay, hang on. Give me a sec, and then we'll have a little, little look. And you tell me whether you would would have reviewed this, ready, Key? Well, I think I think that's actually more Adil Rashid's fault than Josh Butler's fault, isn't it? Jeez, oh, it looks so bad on the slow. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely Adil Rashid's fault. As a wicket I say that's out. Why didn't they? Why didn't Adil Rashid just say, "Nah, mate, he's middled that." I don't. It's bizarre, but yeah, it's it's not a good review. Um, (laughs) Not a good review at all. Uh, Did anyone stand out for you? Nai from the other team, the Pakistan team in the one day as I thought them, I forget his name. The young, young fast bowler I thought looked really yeah, good. Looked like uh, he had some and really the good. The left armour. Mm. Shaheen Afridi, I think, was quality. Yeah, and him as well, yeah. Both of them. Well they nineteen and seventeen between them and they both bowl ninety mile now. That's amazing. So, Is he seventeen? Apparently, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I get old, man, to tell Any- you. Yeah, I know. I know. Nearly 30 now. <laughs> yeah. But no, that was, um, no, I thought he was really good. I'll tell you um, who I like watching is Adam Zampa. I think, yeah, he could be something quite good, particularly in the one day cricket. He took a bit of a pasting off uh, Butler, which, you know, a lot of bowlers can say that. Can happen. Uh, in the T20 yep. game. It, it's difficult, isn't it? Like, as a bowler generally, but I think spin bowlers in T20, Kieran, you'll be able to tell us more than. Uh, than most, like, you target the spin bowlers, don't you? You've got a vendetta against spin bowlers. Well, I think you target anything coming back into you. Yeah. Um, but Butler and those guys, I think they just target anything full stop. Um, <laughs> but I think I think Zampa's done a pretty good job in the series. If you could get two for 30, three for 30 every match. Um, yeah. Name of the game is wickets, you know, that's that's a great effort. Um, I think a captain will take three for 30 over four of us for 15 runs with no wickets most days because mm. you're making inroads into the opposition. Mm. Um, but for me, the guy that stood out, I just I just absolutely love watching Babar Azam, but like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. beautiful to watch, but yeah, um, 
And yeah, I agree with you on Zampa. Um, and I think Rashid is the same. Rashid can sometimes be expensive, but he, he very rarely doesn't get wickets. And he exactly. tends to get wickets at the important times. And that's their job. Um, exactly. Yeah, I was a big fan of Adam Zampa. He's, um, he's almost like a bowling version of Steve Smith. He's got a few eccentric traits about him. But um, yeah, I enjoyed his work and I thought he was really good. I thought, very quickly, I thought in the second T20 versus Australia, I thought Aaron Finch got his tactics wrong um, in the field. He kind of, when Butler and, uh, who was it, Milan got going, they, he, he just got um, a bit, yeah, he just got him wrong, got the bowlers wrong. Um, okay. Uh, no, I know your battery's running low, mate, so we'll go quick. Uh, IPL to finish. Um, Pat Cummins went for massive money, surpassing uh, what Ben Stokes went for in 2017. Uh, I was surprised by some of the players who were unsold, Key. Uh, we had Jason Holder unsold, Guptal unsold, Southie, Mark Wood, Zaya Khan, Adam Zampa, all unsold. Are you surprised by some of those names not going in the auction? Well, not really. I think those are all guys that have been to the IPL before. And we know IPL is a pretty tough scouting ground and cookie to crack, you know. Um, mm. We don't get many opportunities. So when you do get an opportunity, you have to have to really make a, a good go at it, have a good fest of it, or else you could find yourself on the outs. And I think that's probably what's happened to those names. Not saying that they're not all quality players, because they are. Yeah. But, I mean, the IPL is, I guess, the toughest competition in the world apart from World Cups. Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, is there anyone you're looking forward to, Nye, from the IPL, looking forward to seeing him perform? Oh, the normal characters, really, Coley, people like that. Always look forward to watching those guys play. So that's the best players in the best tournaments. So it's always going to be entertaining, I think. What, uh, what channel is yep. it on in the UK this year? Sky, I think. Sky or BT. or BT? Sky or BT, one of the two. be nice if uh, yeah. they could stick it on BBC. Like, I've, I've enjoyed yeah. having cricket back on BBC, i got to be yeah. honest. It's been, been kind of cool. Um, okay, uh, that's about everything I wanted to cover, I think. Um, Australia needs three off nine. They've probably won by now, yeah. Australia yeah, they've just done it now. Yeah, see, England struggle without... Uh, oh, they brought Denley in, did they? Is that yeah, he did all right. for Butler? Yeah, he did all right. Scored 29, did he? Yes. Yeah. So, 2-1, uh, England won the series. Good summer all round for England, I think. Uh, Nigel, they've done quite well. Yeah, they take that from, uh, you know, from no practice. Good summer, successful. Indeed, so... We look forward to the the next one. Obviously, on the next show, I think we're going to have a guest. We've got a couple couple of really good ones lined up uh, through the three of us. So we're looking forward to that. Um, we've got an Australian lined up. We've got a South African, I think, and a, an Englishman or two. So we've got plenty of, I'm sure we'll have uh, some more West Indians on, Kieran. Yep. You'll sort that out when you meet. So, uh, yeah, we've got lots of uh, good guests coming on. And there won't be such a big gap now between the, this and the next show. Um, so we'll have a show with a guest on in the next week or two. Uh, guys, thanks for watching, downloading, subscribe, youtube.com slash acepodcastnation. Best way to support the channel. And uh, give us a follow uh, on social media at stateofplay underscore. And uh, Kieran, what's your social media very quickly? Official Kieran Paul. 
you go. And now you're at yours is uh, what is it? You're, you're gonna have to remember. Mr. Bean, nineteen twenty-seven. <laughs> Always give us a follow. Get talking about cricket and the like, uh, guys. Thanks for joining us. Now you're in pleasure, my friend. Again, Kieran, no problem. Good time. Nice. We will see you for the next episode. Stay Podcast Network.